creating an online learning experience, you're creating the conditions, you're creating the environment in which learning is most likely to happen. There's no way to force anyone to do anything. Friends, and welcome to The Block, the building learning and organizational culture podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Kirby, and on today's episode, I have the pleasure of chatting with my dear friend, William Cronier, about his role as instructional designer and program manager at EduFlow, overseeing the EduFlow Academy, which you may have heard of if you're on LinkedIn at all, really. And we talk about cohort-based learning experiences, social learning, instructional design, and more. You're not going to want to miss this one. Hey, Will, how are you? I'm good. It's such a pleasure to finally be on the podcast. I've, um, I've, I've always wanted to be on the podcast, and this is my first time, so Yay! I'm very excited. I love it. I'm so happy to have you. Let's jump right in. Why don't you tell me a little bit about you, your career journey, how you ended up where you are today, and any fun facts you want to share? Yeah, um, I have a weird, very weird journey. So I um, started in more in the multimedia space. So I, I have a um, multimedia background and then a, a, a bachelor's in, in arts and I did journalism. And then I went into interactive media. Um, and then kind of like from there, I w- went into studying marketing. And while I was in the marketing um, college, I was asked to become a lecturer where I taught multimedia stuff. Um, and there I kind of got the bug for, um, for teaching and learning. Or um, Yeah, and, and it's, been, it's been really cool. And um, while I was, I was studying there, I, got, uh, I, I did some internships at um, e-learning places and I finally started working at a, a company called 2U, um, a South African kind of like branch of 2U, um, which was Get Smarter. And Get Smarter partners with big universities all over the world, um, and they create um, executive level online short courses. So for the better half of three years, I spent uh, a lot of time <laughs> working with subject matter experts and putting together um, really awesome learning experiences with some really cool people. Um, and that was an amazing, incredible learning experience. Um, I mean, the people um, who I worked with, there were exceptionally talented. Um, and then uh, from there, I, I, I just randomly saw this post on Facebook for an, uh, an ad to um, or job ad for EduFlow. Um, and I thought I'd throw my, my name in the hat. And I was very lucky to, um, to, get, a, to get a position um, and, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's been incredible. So at EduFlow, I'm an instructional designer and program manager, and I run what is called EduFlow Academy. So it is, um, a, a kind of like a, a separate, um, entity that, um, kind of like focuses on instructional design and, and learning and development. And, um, we try to create, um, as many free and, um, affordable, low barrier uh, learning experiences that are um, collaborative and fun. Uh, and uh, yeah, just want to try to enrich the learning and development community as much as possible and to learn as much as we can from from the space. Um, yeah, I think that's like a, a very brief introduction, but I also was very lucky to um, have grown up. So my, my dad is, or both my parents are academics in the space of education. So um, I was kind of like, 
um, thrown into that academic academic environment. Um, they taught me a lot about, you know, like um, our, our dinner conversations at night would not be how was your day or, you know, how's the meal would be. <laughs> Did you hear about this uh, new study about X, Y, Z? Um, so I kind of got the, the academic bug back then. Um, and that's why I'm so interested in, in th learning theory. And um, I also, I know this is going all over the place, but I also started um, uh, my master's. I'm like halfway, I finished the course of my master's, just need to do the dissertation, but which I've been postponing for like oh. a year and a half. <laughs> I hear that. I feel that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think that's, that's about it. Cool. Awesome. No, I think that's great. And can you just uh, give me a brief overview of what Eduflow oh, yes. regular is in yeah, case our listeners don't know? So yeah. Eduflow is a learning management system um, that focuses on creating social and collaborative learning experiences. So um, we have a very popular feature called peer reviews. So um, we make it very, very simple to um, firstly create a course and then to add all of your learners and then um, to create a peer review environment. Um, but the, I, I definitely recommend that uh, everyone checks out Eduflow. There's a, you can uh, sign up for a free plan and start creating your own courses um, in a few minutes. Um, and, and that's a really an amazing part about it. Um, yeah, so I, social learning all the way is Eduflow. Love it. I love it. So then Eduflow came first and then Eduflow Academy so how did that, how did the idea and kind of like the, the origin story, oh. if you will, of Eduflow Academy? So I, I wish I could take credit for Eduflow Academy, but the CEO of, um, of Eduflow um, started Eduflow Academy before I got there. Um, and then I was, when I joined, my job was to kind of like um, take over, not take over, but to um what's it called? Nurture Eduflow Academy. Um, yeah. And uh, before I started, we had a bunch of self-paced courses. And then um, David and I were having a social get together. And we did the one thing we're not supposed to do in a social get together. And we actually started talking about work. Um, and I <laughs> suggested, you know, how about we create a cohort-based course? Um, it, it, it's very trendy at the moment. And I think Eduflow Academy's um, or Eduflow's features are perfect for cohort-based learning experience. Um, uh, so then a, a few months later, we launched our first instructional design principles um, cohort-based course. Um, and that turned out to be very popular. Um, and from there, we, we got to know Luke Hobson and uh, we got to know you and um, other people like Eric Jenkins. And we also got to know... Um, the amazing people in the instructional design community. This has been an, an incredible way to, to you know, uh, just meet some amazing people and learn from, from the community as, as we go. Yeah, absolutely. And what's so striking to me is that it's so global, right? Like yeah. there are people from all over the world who sign up for the EduFlow Academy instructional design for course creation. Um, oh, I'm sorry, instructional design principles for course creation um, cohorts and like of all different experience levels too, Yeah. right? Yeah. Like I've shadowed those courses and I've seen the intros from different people that are like, 
oh, I'm not even in instructional design yet, but I want to be, or I've been in it for 20 years, but it's time for a refresher and it's time to meet like the new talent in Mm -hmm. ID and what they're doing and keeping up with like the trends and issues and things like that. So I think it's really, really neat to just see what, not only like what instructional design is like in other countries, but also like what are their trends? Like what's trending for mm. them that maybe isn't trending in the US, right? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, we've got um, a, a stat for you. Um, the most recent uh, cohort and a cohort before, I think we had over 70 different countries um, represented. Amazing. It's incredible. Um, and you're right. We, we get a lot of incredibly unique perspective and um, the amazing thing is when we, when we, you know, do say the analysis phase and we talk about the analysis phase, um, uh, uh people from, uh, so I'm, I'm from South Africa and, uh, we have to talk, to talk a lot about access, you know, just internet bandwidth problems, you know, how, how do you overcome these basic barriers to, to create your learning experience? Um, so seeing the unique you know, like solutions that people come up with, depending on where they're from, it's also incredibly valuable. And like you said, the, the variety of experience. So we've got um, uh, uh, teachers transitioning um, who are sharing the same learning experience as um, absolute veterans in the field who, who you know, you, you can't teach them anything. Um, but they still want to. They still want to be part of the journey, and they they are yeah. so valuable to the learning experience because they, you know, the the experience and knowledge that they add in the discussions and stuff is in- exceptional. Totally. So, does it make you nervous when you've got like one of those like industry veterans oh, yes. to like <laughs> facilitate? Because I know I do a workshop every cohort on scenario based learning. And sometimes the people I see, I'm like, oh my gosh, like there's nothing I can teach them. Like <laughs> I get kind of nervous. I'm like, what are they going to think? You know? Yeah. yeah. I, I, um, so the first, the, the, when we launched the first cohort um, in, I think it was like October last year, I was, uh, my, my nerves were broken because, um, you know, like we just developed the learning material and we were about to invite yeah. a bunch of people with, PhDs and director titles, you know, like they were going to be our first cohort. And it was uh, like a very good idea to invite them because um, firstly, uh, they could, their t- testimonials after the course were incredibly valuable in terms of getting other people sure. to to trust the the, the journey. Um, but the feedback that they gave us was exceptional. I mean, we got so many great ideas. And since we're now on uh, about to start the sixth um, cohort, um, we have six generations of um, sometimes hundreds of people who give feedback and say, you know, why don't you take this and that and that and combine these things? And why don't you add a module about this? Um, So nowadays I'm very confident in the material we're presenting because in a, in a, in effect, it's been validated and um, kind of like co-created by all of these experts in the field. Um, It's, I I like to think of myself as a co-creator in the course because, uh, every cohort has contributed to creating or improving the course for the next cohort. Absolutely. Yeah. So you mentioned hundreds of people. And so the, the most recent cohort had how many? Um, we enrolled, um, I think 800 people in the cohort. Oh 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then we, st- we the so, first billboard had 50. So <laughs> it scaled a bit. A lot more. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and I want to talk about scalability in a minute. But first, I want to ask, when you've got that much feedback, how do you get through it all? How do you prioritize? How do you decide like what you're going to, you know, implement and what you're going to, you know, say, oh, hey, thanks, but not this time? Yeah. Um. So uh, we've got a bunch of different um, spots where we include feedback. Um, so we've got, uh, I guess you can call them pulse surveys, I guess, sure. um, where, where at, at the end of every week we ask them, um, what did you enjoy this week? Um, what was you know really good, and um, what can we fix? What or how can we improve? Um, and that uh, I, I look at every single entry into into those forms, or into that form, um, and it helps me to quickly you know like use like a bit of an Eisenhower matrix where um, if something is urgent and important, you you take that you take care of that quickly. Sure. Um, if if something is um, you know, not urgent and not important, you kind of shelf that. Um, it might be a nice feature. Um, and then you also look at how long it'll take you to, to you know, implement something that um, uh, that they suggest. Um, then we also have a course evaluation survey. Um, at the end of the course, um, I think the previous one got like 140 submissions. So there we ask things like, um, it's loosely based on, the Kirkpatrick model. So I'll ask a few questions sure. here and there and based on, on, on some of the levels. Um, and, uh, uh yeah, it, 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 some of them were like sliding scale questions, you know, like, um, how, how much did this type of activity help you or, um, and then they can also, um, include a, a written response. Um, and from that, if I see that, you know, 10 people said that, um, the analysis phase in week one was too much, um, it was, you know, too hectic. Uh, then I know that something ha- has to happen. Um, uh, we have to fix something and we have to reduce that amount of load um, to make it a bit more manageable for the next cohort. Um, and then because we can use kind of an iterative approach because we, you know, go cohort by cohort by cohort, I can test something for cohort three um, and then get some feedback. And I can, in the course evaluation survey, put a question in to say, um, you know, I've implemented this thing. Um, what is your experience of it? Do you think we should continue using it um, for the next cohort? Um, and th- that kind of like, um, you know, iterative um, action research, I guess you could say, um, ha- has been yeah. super useful. And, um, it, it, you know, it, it, for the peer feedback um, process, for example. So um, I don't know if you had a question about this, Heidi. Um, but so the the way we're able to scale it is because we've got, um, a, a peer feedback approach. So the facilitators yes. don't grade every single. Um, uh, it, it, it's not. It's not feasible for, and we can't give as valuable sure. feedback as peers. Um, so we iterated the kind of like process of encouraging feedback literacy. Um, so we started with um, just like some basic guides um, to say, okay, you know, give some feedback here and there, um, and based on this rubric. Um, and then we found out that if you model good feedback, so if you give an example of good feedback and say, okay, you've read this, that shows this is a good example of feedback. Now give your own feedback to this participant. And, you know, we can keep that up. And, and eventually um, we've gotten to a space where the, the ratio of people who have a bad experience from the peer feedback process versus those who have a really positive experience 
um it, it, it it's you know it 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 oh, how can i say this um it outweighs the you know the good experience completely outweighs sure. the bad experiences um sure yeah yeah i hope that makes sense yeah no that totally makes sense and it's interesting because do you remember MOOCs, oh, massive yeah. open online courses, yeah. and like how they had their like little, very brief shining moment, right? Like, um, I was just grabbing a statistic, and it said that they like they had a lower than fifteen percent completion rate typically, and I think part of that was the fact that like many of them were completely asynchronous, right? So like, you could sign up for it, like you could sign up for anything online and forget mm. about it. Right. So what is different about the cohort based approach? Like what makes that unique? And like, what are, what are completion rates for like the Eduflow co- cohort? Oh, um, so I'll, I'll start with the, the completion rates and um, I, I want to start with a, a caveat about completion rates because completion rates, you like arguably are, are pretty, um, they're not very reliable. You can't say you can't compare a completion rate from one type of course to another type of course because, you know, like the way people come in and the way you know, like it's a free course. Um, yeah. But I'm still quite proud of our completion rate. So, um, of the people who start the course, so if people start the first activity in the course, if they enroll and they show, you know, like if we pick up activity in activity one. Um, all the way through to completing the course, we have about a 50% completion rate. That's really uh, good. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's really good. And the completion rate yeah. has been going up. And my theory, uh, I was pleasantly surprised when I saw that. Um, so we went from cohort two, which was around 60 people, to cohort three, which was 400 people. I was expecting <laughs> to see a massive drop in the completion rates. Sure. And we didn't. We saw uh, like a 8% wow. drop in completion rates. Um, so we were able to scale, um, you know, to scale a cohort-based course um, without introducing t- 200 facilitators who are <laughs> going to grade work um, by using just uh, pretty simple mechanics and um, I guess this iterative design approach. Um so yeah, I, I, I think I only answered half of your question from earlier. Um, <laughs> That's oh yeah, the... <laughs> okay. Like, like what, what's special about cohort-based learning? That was my other question. I, I think like, I'm still trying to figure it out. Why do you think it's so popular right yeah, now too? I think it's popular. I, I, they've always been popular. Uh, cohort-based courses are not a new thing. Um, uh, uh, the, the place I used to work at, um, at 2U Get Smarter, they've been creating cohort-based courses for, the I think, the better half of, of 10 years. Um, sure. But... Uh, code-based courses became re- really popular because of um, uh, uh, what's the the uh, course that kind of like launched it into the mainstream, um, Alt MBA. So the Alt MBA was like a oh, thing that started okay. this 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 phrase code-based course as an online learning experience. Um, and I, I think what's what's what makes them impo- like really popular is um, I can say four things. So the um, uh, the the first the first thing is presence. Um, in a, a social learning experience, you feel like you're present with other people. There are other people who share the same kind of learning journey. They have the similar goals. They they can be there with you. 
Um, and when I think about presence, I think about, um, you know, like you can also be present with other people who are doing the same wordle as you. Presence creates a community, right? Um, yeah. It doesn't create a community. It, it is like one of the, the things that lures people. Um, sure. uh, the next thing is accountability. So uh, in, uh, you know, LinkedIn doesn't hold you accountable for completing the course. But if you, you know, if you post on LinkedIn or if you post on an, an introduction in circle or whatever to say like, I'm joining this learning journey with you, they kind of hold you accountable. Um, you, it, it's another like motivational um, factor um, that, that, that helps you do, to get there. Um, and um, you know that what you do will also influence someone else's learning and journey. Um, the next one is inclusion um, in, in terms of like, you know, it, it, it because of the especially if you improve uh, kind of like representation and accessibility and stuff um, you can bring in a lot of people and you can have a lot of diversity yeah. in a cohort which i i find extremely special um and then uh, uh the final thing is reliance um a, a nice cohort based course or course based experience um makes you feel like you're relying on other people to cross the line and other people feel like they rely on you um it, right. it's this uh, so johnson and johnson call this cooperative learning you know it, it, it's um the, the four things i mentioned earlier were all all the redefinitions of um uh, principles of cooperative learning but it's it's a cooperation we're working together to to learn and to enrich our, our, our learning journey um and yeah i think those four elements are pretty pretty special and that's why they they make cohort-based learning experiences um so so fun I, I, it's not everything i'm sure there's a lot of other reasons um why people right. do it um but i think these are four big drivers yeah no i think that that's great and i think that they're they're seeing a moment right they're trending right now like i keep hearing yeah some yeah. form of co the word cohort and then insert random other words yeah. afterwards yeah. right um <laughs> And I think part of that has to do with just the pandemic, right? Mm. And like everyone being alone or quarantined or yeah, yeah. Um, working from home when they're used to working with a team or, you know, being out of work suddenly and not having a team or, you know, whatever the situation is, like people want to have those experiences and be with mm. other people and work with other people. But something that's, I think has been positive coming out of COVID is the ability to like connect with like um, I was just watching an old episode of the show Fringe. I don't know if you're oh, familiar yes. with that one. Oh yes, I remember yeah. Fringe. <laughs> but we've just been going through it, and there was an episode where they were like, you know, hey, not only can we find out that what this guy's working on in the lab, but we can see it in real time because he's going to call us with video. And yes. they were like, whoa. And I'm like, a Zoom? Are they talking about a Zoom? And then I realized like Zoom has not been around that long. Yeah. And it's come a long way in the last two years from sheer necessity. But now instead of like only being able to connect with people in your, in your work, on your team, on your floor at work, right? Like I worked on like a five floor building 
And like, I couldn't tell you who else worked on the floor that wasn't mine. Right. Like, and so now you can connect with people from all over the world. So not only do you have like this desire to, to talk to people, but now you can talk to people from everywhere. And so Mm -hmm. I think that that's kind of the drive a driving force behind like this cohort based and cohort yeah. experience yeah and I, th- I think because uh, because of the pandemic and I, I i know like pandemic talk everyone's over talking about the pandemic but it you know we, we can't we can't not talk about it um in the same oh, for sure as, as cohort based learning because um it, it's I, I think the pandemic has also me- meant that people are more open to embracing online learning experiences so yes. you know like where where they used to be able to say okay well I'm going to learn about this topic. I'd rather just sign up for a workshop where I can go in person. Um, and because of the pandemic, you were forced to to try this out and say, okay, well, um, uh, let me let me. I have to get these these like bits of knowledge to improve X Y Z. Uh, let me see if this online learning thing can work for me. Uh, and you know, because we were kind of like pushed into that direction, a lot of people um, actually enjoyed it and they it, they caught the bug. Um, and now they want to do everything cohort based, um, and it, it, you know, to some extent, they might even be more fun than an in-person experience. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, like, would you rather get on a plane, travel somewhere, have to wear dress clothes, exactly, and be locked in a hotel room with other people for eight hours, or would you rather roll out of bed in your pajamas, hop on the computer? talk to people from multiple different countries, be able to go on mute and have your little yeah. snack whenever you want, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. and, to, and to me, it's a no-brainer. <laughs> exactly. And, and you know, if you think about the, the asynchronous versus synchronous, um, you know, like a, a cohort-based course doesn't have to be completely synchronous. Uh, all it, all it yeah. needs is to have a start date and an end date and people doing the thing together, um, which means that, it, you know, it doesn't have to be a live experience. Uh, you can right. you can catch up. If you're the type of person who doesn't like interacting with other people, you can still draw and on that social energy of a cohort yeah. without feeling a need to to you know talk to them. Um, you might want to chat and ask questions and stuff, um, or you could be like me, who you know, like I just I I, I I draw on the energy, but I don't always feel like I need to to engage. Um, I, I, you know, like it, it's like, sure. you, you know, the, the reason why we go to a restaurant, restaurants and areas that are busy, um, you don't want to sit in a restaurant that's completely deserted. Um, you just want to feel part of something, I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think too, that letting, at least as like the facilitator of one of the courses in EduFlow Academy, letting everyone who's in the course talk amongst themselves first before mm. I add my two cents in is like, it, it's really, it's great to watch and it's great to see. And it's just really nice to see everybody helping each other out. Yeah. And like, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm on the circle community. And so I see all the different requests that go out. Cause I mean, we're talking, there's gotta be over a thousand people in there at this point. Yeah. Right? I think they're around a thousand three hundred now. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, there's all sorts of questions that come through 
all day every day and they get answered yes that's the best part <laughs> that's that's yeah that's really awesome i love seeing that and um the, the nice thing about about a cohort based you know course or like i, I guess just about the way the course is built is that we are facilitators we're not lecturers you know we have right. to create the environment where they can support each other and uh, you know we don't have to be the ones who do the work um we just have to encourage um and and i, I think that's what yeah. you know facilitation is all about um and to see that happening uh, that uh, peer support happening almost automatically is it, it gives me goosebumps sometimes when i sit back and i see okay well someone's posted a question about xyz like i've got this problem how can i use these like which tools that i should i use to go into the analysis phase and, and find the problem the root of my problem whatever um and then seeing like 12 comments where people have like detailed suggestions on how to do it yes. um you know without me having to jump in and say well why don't you try xyz um and then the best part is i get to learn from other people's responses as well i can see okay right. well, you know um so yeah I, I think that's you're right it is really really cool to see that happening yeah on that note what would you say is the biggest takeaway in your skills as an instructional designer as a result of kind of building eduflow academy in general and the course oh the, uh, as in like the biggest thing i've learned from, from yeah yeah oh my goodness um i i think it's about like the biggest lesson I've learned, I guess, is that yeah. creating an online learning experience, you're creating the conditions, you're creating the environment in which learning is most likely to happen. There's no way to force anyone to do anything. Um, but the, the only thing we can do is to remove as many barriers as we can. So, for example, one of the barriers might have been that people felt like they had to attend um, something live. Um, but they don't have to attend something live to participate. Um, you can watch a recording. We can transcribe the recording. We can make the recording available the next day. Um, so it, for me, it, it really reinforced the responsibility of an instructional designer as someone who is creating that environment. Um, yeah. And the, the, the kind of like more well-designed environment gets, the less effort you have to put into steering learners because they were more likely to get to somewhere. Um, so uh, for example, um, if I get uh, the same question over and over and over and over again, so something like, how do you turn off notifications? I can then find out what the like iterate and play around and collect feedback to find out what the best way is to teach someone how to manage their notifications. And then I can get immediate feedback in the next cohort to see how successful that intervention was. Um, so uh, I've learned to kind of like almost like try to predict where they would get stuck um, and then try to design um, interventions that would help them to, to figure things out. Um, and to the point where the amount of um, queries that come in where people get lost or get stuck has reduced significantly. Um, we awesome. get very few questions nowadays. Um, we do get questions and we encourage people to ask questions. But yeah, you know, of course. The, the, the idea of collecting feedback and iterating has meant that we've created that environment where uh, there aren't that many barriers. And you know, people can take their own little journeys um, to, to get what they yeah. want. 
Um, we, for example, we've also made, we haven't made it compulsory to engage in all the discussions. Um, we've, we've said engage in 50% of discussions. Do, do like get out of the course what you want out of it. Um, uh, and, and, and so that you get people who just want to like do a little bit and learn a little bit here and there. Then you get people who want to just, you know, throw themselves into the learning experience and, and just absorb as much as possible and talk to everyone and like everyone's stuff. Um, and, and we want to be able to accommodate and facilitate the journey for both of those types of learners. I love it. That's great. Awesome. So how would one go about joining a cohort? Oh, um, the easiest way to do it is to just go to um, eduflow.com forward slash academy uh, and then to click on the little square that says instructional design principles for course creation. Um, and then that's the, there's a little application form. It's completely free um, uh, to apply. Um, and then we have uh, our, our next cohort is on 12 or 20th of may and the application deadline is on 13 may uh so it's it's just around the corner we are we have just wrapped up um cohort five and so this will be cohort six uh, and i'm very excited to to see how that to see who, who joins us this time around yeah and so you have to fill out an application and not everyone gets accepted yeah correct no no so so what tips would you give uh, and what are you looking for or what is EduFlow looking for Yeah, so who they accept? So we, we, we have a few criteria, but the two big ones are um, some people will fill out a form just like type, 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 and then it, it doesn't look like it's a lot of effort has gone into it. And um, it's one of the filters that helps us to figure out whether someone will, will likely put a lot of effort into the online course. Um so uh, because we, we rely on, on peer feedback, um, we have to be careful about how we uh, accept people into the cohort because we don't want to have a cohort full of people who don't, wouldn't want to add value to the entire sure. learning experience. Um, so that is the, the like, big thing. We, we make sure that, that people show that they would be committed to, to um, the entire learning journey um, or the learning experience. Um, and then the other uh, thing is just the um, to check whether what they want to learn lines up with what the course is about. So sometimes sure. people will um, will say, okay, well, I want to learn how to use um, Articulate Storyline, um, but it's not a course about how to use authoring tools, um, sure. which is a whole other conversation about, you know, what is instructional design? Um, and we have that conversation quite a bit in, in the cohort um uh, sure. which is really cool because we go through the whole addy process and um we we talk about how you know using authoring tools is a very very tiny aspect of a very very broad field absolutely yeah 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 very cool yeah so then my last question for you is the same one i ask all of my guests and it is what would you recommend to anyone who wants to learn more about instructional design principles for course creation? Ah, uh, I, I, oh, okay. I, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to recommend a podcast. <laughs> so great. Um, if you uh, look up um, Great Minds on Learning podcast, uh, you will find um, Donald Clark and John Helmer talking about 
the entire history of learning theory um, and the, the big minds, uh, the, the big theorists and the stuff we learned from, from you know, what they've done and, and what they've theorized, um, that is an exceptional um, resource. Um, if, I, if, I, like, if I had to like, tell any new instructional designer or any instructional designer, if you want like, the fundamentals on what we know about how people learn, um, go, go through that series. It's it's a, it's obviously a free okay. podcast. Um, and then the other one is Donald Clark's blog, um, where he also the, the the stuff he writes is also really really um, insightful. And I mean, he's written so many books about instructional design, or uh, he just most recently wrote one about learning experience design. I'm a I'm a bit of a super fan, <laughs> um, but the yeah, I, I would it. say just do that podcast series beginning to end. Um, uh, awesome. really, really incredible um, bit of work that they've done. Cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. I've had a blast chatting with you about all things EduFlow. Thanks so much for having me. It, it really was a pleasure. And thank you so much for, for inviting me onto my first ever podcast. Thanks again for joining me on the blog. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and review us on your favorite podcast platform. I hope you'll tune in again soon.